All right, praise the Lord, everybody. This is Dr. Valerie Simpson. And this is Elder Daniel Simpson. And this week, we're back with the Union Gospel Press. This is the last one, last lesson for this quarter. Lesson number 13 we're going to be teaching today. And that is out of the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 5. For those that are going to be following, we're going to be in chapter 5 and verse 1. And that lesson is going to have a lot of different scriptures in it, which we will call. So if you're following, we will call out the scriptures. And the name of the lesson this week is David, King over all Israel. We are going to learn how God rewarded David with his third anointing and elevation. We're also gonna learn some things about leadership and the people's uh, methods and ways of prospering and trying to position themselves and it just doesn't work out but God is in control so with that I'm going to turn the lesson over to Elder Daniel Simpson and he is going to begin our teaching for today God bless you Elder praise the Lord everybody this is a good lesson mm -hmm. a lot of information to cover but I want to start off in 2 Samuel chapter 2 verse 1 and the reason why is because um, in the Sunday school lesson it says God told David or it says then came all the tribes of Israel to David at Hebron so last week lesson he was at Ziglag now he's at Hebron so I wanted to, to know or, or in my study I inquired within myself why was he at Hebron yeah, and I think the first one, number one, we do want to always mention that David sought the Lord. So he didn't just, you know, go and haphazardly go, but he sought God and God told him to go to Hebron and there was a purpose. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit to start off. Yeah, so that's the reason why we're going to start our lesson off in Second Samuel chapter 2, verse 1. Okay. And you go ahead and read that. Okay. And it came to pass after that... After this, that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up into the cities of Judah? And the Lord said unto him, Go up. And David said, Whither shall I go up? And he said, Unto Hebron. Hebron, yes. Okay. So David is at Ziglag when he inquired of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And the Philistine has warned about the, the battle. Mm -hmm. And Ziglag is in the land of the Philistines. Okay. So now David is like uh, at Ziglag as a uh, as a refuge from Saul. Now right. Saul is dead. Right. Israel was defeated in battle. Right. Is Ziglag safe now? Okay. So are we starting at the yeah? Is Ziglag safe? So you know now you're in Hebrew. You now you're down here in in Philistine territory. Yes. They gave you this place to kind of for a place of refuge to hide out from Saul. Okay. Saul's dead now. So we're gonna we're skipping over that part about where or are we gonna talk about that where Saul. Uh, Saul's son, Ishbosheth, comes. Okay. All right. So anyway, the essence of it, and we'll go into detail, is that uh, now um, 
he has to leave Ziklag because Ziklag is a Philistine territory and his time of refuge there was up. But he inquired of the Lord. And God strategically sent him to Hebron. All right, we're going to find out why Hebron was the place God sent. Because Hebron is one of the cities of refuge. Okay. And, and a city of refuge, for those that don't understand, were there six of them? Well, it was... Yes. There were six cities of, of, of refuge. And we have cities of refuge here in, in, in the United States. And it simply means that you have a government covering um, and, and a protection um, to protect you from a lot of different uh, things like being taken away from, the, being put out of the country. And you, it's kind of like a sanctuary city. I think they call them that. Sanctuary city. So you're safe as long as you're in these Location. So Hebron was one of those such places, like but, a sanctuary. But it was given to the priest. Okay. Specifically, it was given to Aaron's descendant, and Hebron was in the territory of Judah. Okay. Okay. And this is found in Joshua. Okay. Chapter twenty-one, verse thirteen. Okay, Joshua twenty-one, thirteen. All right. Did you want to read that? Yeah, you can read it. We set the foundation in the okay. background. 13. Uh, Thus they gave the children of Aaron, that's the Aaronic priesthood, um, on the priest Hebron with his suburbs to be a city of refuge for slayers and Libna with her suburbs. So those that had killed someone, but it was in error. Instead of the Avenger coming after them, if they were one of these cities of refuge, you could not come in there and take their life. But you notice, mm -hmm. out of all the cities of Judah, they, God picked Hebron because Aaron's descendants was there. Were there, the priests were. The priesthood were was there. there. Okay. For, for these seven years, David and his men and his family is in Hebron around the priests of God. So because he's around the priests of God, he's able to operate in his priestly ministry also because David has a priestly anointing on him. And then he's also able to stay in that element of ministry while he's there in Hebron. I think there's an additional benefit. And the additional benefit was for those that were coming there running from the, they, the ones that would avenge them because they were slayers, I think that he was also able to minister to them. So it was good for both David, so he could use his ministry, and it was good for those that were receiving it. Well, the priest also at Hebron, that's where he got his second anointing. And you got to remember, it was the priest, the high priest office, had that responsibility of anointing people for the specific call that God had placed on their life. And what, right, the priest had to anoint. So he had been anointed first. By Samuel. By Samuel when he was a child. Yes. All right, so now he was pushed into a place of leadership because of the uh, the first the first elevation to go to Hebron was because... Well, there at Hebron, he was anointed, as we can read in 2 Samuel. Mm -hmm. uh, Chapter two, mm -hmm. and it was, and it goes in verse two. So David went up feathers, his two wives also. Okay. In verse three, and his men that were with him. Okay, so Zikla, so this is um Second Samuel chapter two, verse. Verse two. Go ahead. Okay, and so David went up hither, 
and his two wives, and that was uh, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, Nabal's wife, the Carmelite. Okay, verses three and four, and his and his men that were with him, or David, uh, bring up every man with his household, and they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. For and four, and the men of Judah came and there anointed David king over Judah, and they told David saying that the man of Jabesh, the men of Jabesh Gilead were they that buried Saul. Yes. Okay. So David got his anointing at Hebron. Okay, so he, he got his anointing at Hebron because Saul had been killed and then the men had came to get him and saying, David, we want you to come down here and we want you to rule over the people of Judah. Judah. The tribe of Judah. So David is ruling, but he's only ruling over the tribe of Judah. Yes. So the other tribes were now in a different leadership, in a different place, which we're going to talk about. Yes. Okay. Now, the, the other tribes, ten tribes, mm-hmm. when Saul and his three sons died in battle with the Philistines, yeah. Saul had another son. Okay. His name was? Ishbosheth. Mm-hmm. That was the fourth child. So he had three. He had three sons. They had daughters too, but he had three sons, which are, which are the ones that are always mentioned in the um, genealogies. They mention the men, but um, he had three sons, and Jonathan, we know, was a mighty man, and then his other two sons, and then there was one son. Now, the names. I think that you want to talk about the names. Talk about Ishbosheth. Ishbosheth. Okay. So, so the first, the, Jonathan had a good name. He had a name that had a good definition. His other two sons did too. Now, I believe that these sons were born before Saul started reigning. He started reigning at the age of forty, and so I believe that when he started reigning, he had these three sons. But I believe that it was either at the end of the time before his reign, or it was right after the start of his reign that he had the last child, which is Ishbosheth. Now remember that he had been prophesied to that the kingdom would not be established under him because of his heart and his disobedience, his rebellion, a lot of things going on with Saul. And so it wasn't going to be handed to his children. However, only three of the four sons were killed in that battle with with their father Saul. One was left, and that was Ishbosheth. Yes. And Ishbosheth names mean. Names name means yes. That, man that. of Baal. Okay, so na- man of Baal. Baal. Now that is so odd. The other names we had looked them up. They were good names. They were honorable unto God, but this name meant man of Baal. You know why would you name your child after a deity? Or a man of a deity. I think you said one of the other ones was like a quarreler of Baal. Okay. And so he was named after, he was named in honor of Baal. A Canaanite deity. Which was a Canaanite deity, a false god. And God told them they were going to do that. So he names them this he names them this name. He's the only one left, so of Saul's quite naturally. And you gotta remember he was forty years old when he began ran. to reign. Saul was forty years old when he began to reign. No. 
Ishbosheth was 40 when he began. Oh, Ishbosheth also was 40 when he began. Saul began, Saul reigned. When he was 30, I'm sorry. So Ishbosheth is born right when Saul begins to reign. Okay. When God had rejected him. Okay. No evil spirits came over Saul. And he gives his son Ishbosheth a name after Canaanite deity. Ishbosheth names mean man of Baal. Ishbosheth's name means man of Baal. Keep that in mind because That's what my this, Bible dictionary says. Right, and I right. Looked it up. Oh yeah, we looked it up both there, and we also looked at the references in the in the study Bible. Is that the Schofield? No, my no, Okay, but it, anyway, we looked it up in both of them, and so he's he's named him this, and we wonder why. You know, why would he name his son that? And others had such honorable names. But even Jonathan, his son. Okay, so he had, Jonathan had a son, that, what everybody's heard of, uh, Mephibosheth. So, Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son. And Saul also had a son by his concubine's name, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. And their names mean quarrel of Baal. Okay, quarreler or debater or defense he stood in defense of Baal now I would wonder why in the world would a king of Israel name his children like this or his sons and I know we have a lot to say about Mephibosheth but look it up and so the one thing that we do know we have reference to is that there Saul didn't have a very strong strong relationship with God at all one thing he did have at a point was God was talking to him. Um, when Saul got the word he was going to be elevated to king, he went ahead and asked the Lord, how am I going to do these things? Because he knew he wasn't a brave man. You know, he looked stately, but he wasn't a brave man. But God said, because my spirit's going to come upon you and you will be a new man. So when that anointing came on him, you can read about it, Saul would uh, fall under the spirit of prophecy. One time, he, the Bible says he prophesied and he just laid in the ground all night and just prophesied God had him. So he had a place um, or, or a time, a period in his life where he did a lot, uh, where he was used by God. He did know of God. He did have experience with God. However... He also had another issue, and that was a spiritual issue, which was the evil spirits would come upon him. Well, he, was, he was being rejected, and Samuel told him that he was going to be rejected for his disobedience. But, yeah, which was the time when he... he was supposed to destroy the Amalekites. Okay, number one, he was supposed to destroy the Amalekites, and he chose, like, choice items and people and... I'm going to keep this. I'm going to keep that. But he was supposed to wipe them out. And all of their things. And everything about them was supposed to be removed. Just rid the earth of them and their memory. Yes. And he didn't do it. Yes. Okay. He failed an assignment. So God rejected him. And God, and the Bible said, an evil spirit from the Lord came upon Saul. And, and that evil spirit had influence. And we can see he even named his son, his youngest son, which means man of Baal. Okay. So though he had influence, so you got to be careful. You know, if you don't know God, you know, the influence, it's not in man to walk and to direct his own steps, right? 
steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. But if you're not walking with the Lord, then the influence over your life can go from one generation to the next. In this case, he named his son according to the influence over his life at that time. Baal, false gods, deities, um, things that are totally polar opposite from godly things. So, when Saul is at Hebron, now, the scripture said the house of Saul and the house of David. Now, so the house of Saul was where they were at, still at, where were they at? The house of Saul is when um, Saul commander Abner, Abner, he appointed Ishabeth king over Israel. He wasn't anointed, but he appointed Ishbosheth to be king over Israel. Over Israel. In Saul's absence. Yes. Okay, so that was the house of Saul. And yes. where were they at geographically? It was in Benjamin. They were in Benjamin, okay. Saul, Saul was from Benjamin. And the house of David, the scripture said in chapter 3, verse 1. Now okay. there was long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. Mm -hmm. But David waxed stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. Okay. So there was like a civil war going on in Israel for those seven years. These are all the people of God. This is all Israel, but you got division in your midst. Because they have their king, it's Ishobeth, man of Baal. Ishbosheth is the one over them, so he has a different mindset, a different leadership, a different type of, and it wasn't where he was being led and directed by God. So that's their house. He's a Benjamite, all right? And then David was... Is in Hebron. Is in Hebron. But God told him to go, which was strategic. Right. God had David around those priests. Okay. So those priests could minister... Now remember, they're, they're just not around any priest. They are in Hebrew where Aaron's lineage, lineage is at. Okay. That's they, the priesthood. That's the high priesthood. Right. This this is not the Levitical priesthood. This is the Aaronic priesthood, yes. which are the ones that go in, the high priests that go into the, the holy of holies. holies. Yes. So he was in the place where he could be ministered to and he could minister unto them. And also the whole place could be put in a position of uh, spiritual yes. and uh, godly stability. Yes. So it was very strategic. It was something David needed in his life. Now, we know that the church is a type of a refuge city. Right. Where wearied and lost souls come mm -hmm. and find refreshed and be restored unto God. Right. You see. And this is where David at, and this is where the church is supposed to be. For folks to come in and okay. get delivered. And and this was the place of refuge. Spiritually, the church is a place of refuge. And I said some that you know, I've heard it said that the church is like a hospital for sin sick souls. It has been dis disagreed upon because they said, well, when you get better, they, they discharge you. Well, here's the thing. You may be at your most critical point. You know, that level of acuity is why you're in the hospital. But when they discharge you, they discharge you under doctor's care. 
So, you know, this was a critical point. This was a place of acuity for them. So, yeah, absolutely, at this time and uh, for the people at this time, this transition, because that was great. Their loss of song was great. But before we go on, we're going to take a quick, a quick break, okay? back into the lesson so we left off uh, we're now um, laid foundation why they're in Hebron some of the benefits of being in Hebron both for David and both for the people it was a city of refuge which is a sanctuary city and now we're in place and some things begin to happen so now we can get to the lesson now that we set our foundation we know who Esposheth is in Hebrew he, he, in Hebrew his name Hebron. means yeah, they're in Hebrew. So we can go to the lesson. So let's go to the first verse of the lesson. Let's look at it a little bit. Then came all the tribes. Chapter 2, uh, chapter two, verse 5. Chapter 5, verse 1. Ooh. I gotta get a book. Okay. Chapter 5, verse 1. Okay, then came all the tribes of Israel to David unto Hebron and Spica, saying, Behold, we are thy bone and thy flesh. Also in time past, when Saul was king over us, thou was he that led us out and brought us in Israel. And the Lord said to thee, Thou shalt feed my people Israel, and thou shalt be a captain over Israel. Okay, so the first verse in this lesson, they stand, this is all the tribes now, not just... Not just Judah. Judah. Judah already has anointed David as to their be, king. He was, and now that, that reign started when David was about 30. And I think that he ruled for, over Judah, how long? So seven years. Yes. So, God bless you. We're going to go now into chapter 5 um, and verse... Verse 1 to start out. Verse 1. Okay. All right. All right. So, now, then, then came all the tribes of Israel to David unto Hebron, and spake, saying, Behold, we are thy bone and thy flesh. So what is he saying when he said, we are thy bones, thy flesh? Well, you know what? That that also speaks of unity. That speaks of we are one people. It's kind of like the body of Christ is one body. But uh, in this case, it was natural. They were naturally, um, they were all Hebrews, right? They were all descendants of Abraham, and they were all of one. Um, they were one people, God's people, Israel. And... Um, but there was a big issue among all of them. Uh, you know, again, this division. So he, they, they said in verse number two, in time past, when Saul was king over us, um, thou was he, you were the one, in other words, that led us out 
and you were the one that brought us in Israel. And the Lord has said to you, they're recognizing and acknowledging, the Lord has said unto you, you're going to feed my people. That's what they're saying, David, you are, we're one of yours. You're the one that took us out. You're the one that brought us in. You're the one that gave us these victories. And the Lord has said to you that you are going to feed our people, Israel, uh, that and thou shalt be a captain over Israel. So they laid, they made their case and made it very simply. So then, as a result of that, so the elders of Israel came to the king of Hebron and said unto David, um, and said unto King David, make a league with them in Israel. They came to make a league, a league with them, which is an agreement or contract in Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. Yes, um, in verse 2, they said to feed people, which have reference to a shepherd. Okay, yeah, yeah. And of course, captain is someone who is a military commander. Okay. To go out uh, for campaigns of war. So to nurture and to protect. Yes, because you have to remember the Philistines are still a threat. Mm -hmm. They was not a defeated foe. They were still very much in the picture. Yes, they had seven years ago. They just defeated Israel in a major battle mm-hmm. campaign, and, which David wasn't in. So, but now yes. they need David. So now they need David mm-hmm. because Abner, the, their commander of Saul's army, right, is dead. Did he get killed in that um, war with the Philistines? No. Okay. Joab killed him. Joab killed him afterwards. Okay. Yes, and now Esbeth. Ishbosheth is dead. Okay. So now. Now you gotta tell the whole story about Ishbosheth's death because it's important for them to know. David had already had one per- person. <laughs> Remember back when the uh, Amal was it the Amalekites, um, the Amalek the the, the Amalekite had had murdered. Uh, was it Saul? And he came running to David and said, oh, your your enemy is dead. And, you know, he was leaning upon a sword and uh, he was wounded and he was mortally wounded. And uh, the Philistines were closing and he was going to die anyway. And he asked me to go ahead and, you know, thrust him through so they wouldn't take him into captivity and torture him and all that. And so I did it. So he had came running to David with that information. And David said, you know, didn't you know you weren't supposed to touch God's anointing and told the men that were with them, the young men kill him and so they did now when it came to this one that the murderers which were two of uh they were also under uh Ishbosheth's um command and they saw him laying in the bed and figured Abner's dead so this one he's not gonna be king long Ishbosheth he's not gonna be king long so we might as well, you know, kill him. So they did. They went into his house, took his head off, and took it and ran to David and took the head with them and said, "Here, we killed the son of your, your uh, of Saul, your uh, enemies, your enemy's son, and we're come to let you know." So they were in the intention of making David happy. We took out your enemy, and then his his son. So they knew David was the next one that was going to get in line. So they were trying to position themselves, and it's kind of like the things that people do in order to get positions. It was political. It was all political. They wanted to get favor with David, get a place in his kingdom, and so David's words to him were, you know, 
the last man that did this, and so to speak, the last man that did this, I had him, I had him killed. And so then, then he said, and you went into a house of innocent man and killed him in his bed, and then you come and bring his head to me. He said, uh, what do you think that if I killed the last person that brought me a message, what do you think I'll do to you? He said, shouldn't I just kill you and rid the earth of you? David was pretty rough in his words when he had to be. And that's what happened. So those are the last things he heard before he went into eternity. So he slew him. And they buried his head in Abner's tomb. So now, uh, after this murder, Ishbosheth is gone. They have no leader. So now, this one comes. I guess he's coming to David to get favor and to get esteem as a great leader. All right, so now uh, the, the elders of Israel had came. So the elders of Israel came to the king in Hebron, and King David made a league with them in Hebron mm -hmm. before the Lord. Mm -hmm. A league is this. It's a covenant of kingship. Okay, of kingship. Yes. Well, yeah, because you only hear about those leagues between kings. But you got to remember, now, you have these ten elders from these tribes... Mm -hmm. And each elder is making a league with David. And then they do it collectively. Oh, they do individual leagues with David. Yes, that's what the league is. That's why you use league. Each in individual had like a contract or yes. an agreement with David. Agreement with David. Okay, and then they did one together. Yeah. And then they did one with the anointing. To anoint him king over all of Israel. So that's chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, where we see and they're making that collectively. They're making a league. Okay. It means a plague man to man. Yeah, we're pledging. Yes. Like the tribe of... Your uh, word is your bond. Like the tribe of Reuben would come. Yeah. And he would have a individual meeting with David. Okay. And then a tribe of Simeon. And have Simeon. an individual meeting. Yes. And each Make one would be making a, uh, yes. a league with them, a yes. contract. Okay. And then once all of that was settled, then yeah. they, he was They anointed. all came collectively, collectively and agreed that this is our decision together. You were supposed to rule. Yes. You were supposed to be our captain and shepherd. Yes. Okay. Samuel had already... And already prophesied when he when he anointed him the first time that you was going to be king mm -hmm. over Israel. Mm -hmm. So they just come and make this league and they confirm it. And then David is anointed king over all of Israel. And you got to remember, a priest have to officiate this. That was the way that God had it set up. A priest could only anoint a king because it started off as. Um, well, they need that anointing oil. Yeah, the old God. Yeah, you just couldn't just use any kind of oil to anoint people for their assignment mm -hmm. in God's kingdom. Yeah, just like us in the church, everybody's anointed mm -hmm. with the Holy Ghost mm -hmm. to do something for the kingdom of mm -hmm. God, mm -hmm. from the preacher all the way down to the the usher. Right. If everybody in the church has spoken in tongues, then they have been anointed. My God, Valerie. So at this something. time, they didn't have all that. But the, the thing was that that's similar to what you're saying is that there were elements in that anointing, right? Yes. And in his anointing, there were elements. And in that oil. 
typically they were and, and they also were type these elements in oil were types of shadows antibacterials which means it can cleanse it can um, remove things also um, strengthening and and that's what the anointing is supposed to do it's supposed to give you strength it's supposed to purify you it's supposed to keep your heart and mind it's supposed to guide you direct you it's supposed to convict you constrain you there are so many things in the elements so they had to be anointed and that oil was poured on their head but only the priests were the ones that yes. would do it yes in the Old Testament the high priest was anointed before he went into the most holy of holies yes and of course the kings and their coordination they was anointed before all of the people mm-hmm. so all the people could know this we witnessed it yes mm-hmm. we witnessed his coordination his anointing mm-hmm. the kingship the high priest was anointed before the whole congregation before he went to the most holies of holies yeah to bring that blood on the mercy seat right and represent the people right to God give God to the atonement to be the mediator between God and his people and it was the high priest's job yeah so they anointed David and verse 4 said David was 30 years old when he began to reign and he reigned for 40 years that's a total of 40 years so it's the, the 70 years that he reigned just over Judah and then the other 33 years he reigned over uh, all of Israel so it's a total of 40 years yes. right okay yes. and in, in verse 5 breaks that down in Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months mm-hmm. and in Jerusalem he reigned 30 and three years over all of Israel and Judah all right all right so that one that's why it was a, a third a third elevation you know the one that Samuel said you're going you're going it, it took some time for him to get to that place that Samuel had prophesied and anointed him for but he got there mm-hmm. and that was the resulted in him reigning down in um Hebron for 70 years over Judah and so now he reigns a total of 40 years so 33 years he's going to be over all of Israel so it's going to tell us a little bit more about where he goes yes and in verse 6 and the king and his men went to Jerusalem unto the Jebusites mm-hmm. and the inhabitants of the land mm-hmm. why is Jebusite why is this so important, Valerie? Okay, so as he said, went to Jerusalem unto the Jebusites. Now, Jebusites were their enemies, weren't they? Jebusites was the ones that was the inhabitants of the land. They was inhabiting that part of Israel. Okay. Jerusalem. So if you're going to come down here, you're not going to get it without a fight, or this, we're not going to just walk off and, or just hand you the land. But the Jebusites were not Israelites. They were no, they was, they No, they was Canaanites, but... There's history here. Okay. Because you have to remember, this is God's divine plan all along. Mm-hmm. Now, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 21, when God gave Abram the vision, mm-hmm. you know, when he made the, when he cut a covenant with Abraham. Chapter 17. Chapter 15. 15 and verse 17. When God made that covenant with Abram, when he told him to take the sacrifice and divide him. Right, 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 right. Okay. So at the end of that chapter, in verse 21, God promised him the land of Canaan, and he names these inhabitants that they was land they was going to inhabit. Okay. And the last people there are the Jebusites. Okay. So they're the last remaining the last tribe, remaining of, tribe of the ones that God named. 
the Jebusites. They was the last one. But nevertheless, that was to bring under subjection. They weren't going to hand over that. No, they didn't. They didn't hand it over to Joshua and Joshua conquest. And Joshua was mighty conqueror. They came out against Joshua with the confederation of kings. Mm -hmm. They the one brought the confederation together Mm -hmm. against Joshua. And that's in Joshua chapter 10, verse 1 through 5. Mm -hmm. It was the king of the Jebusites who came and got the other kings and they... have a few verses left seven eight and nine and I'm just going to kind of glaze over it Elder Simpson's going to help me a little bit as it's needed in the background um I think he left off we left off at the story of God talking to Abram that's when he was giving Abram the promise and letting Abram know that uh in 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 regards to your request for children Abram I am going to give you children, and your children are going to um, be blessed. I'm, and not only that, I'm going to tell you more detail about it. And he told him that uh, they were going to be in captivity for 400 years, but he said, but God is going to rebuke that nation that had oppressed them. And, um, and then he went on and gave him further details. I think that's what you were saying yesterday, Elder Simpson, about the... Uh, the different nations that were going to come out against him and that the Jebusites were going to be included in that. Wasn't that one of them? Yes, they was the last one that was mentioned in Genesis 15. Genesis 15. And I just think it's just incredible that God gave him such distinction and clarity when he responds to Abraham. They had such a connection and a relationship with, he had such a connection with God and God not only promised, told him he was going to fulfill his promise, but promise, but he told him great details. And the Jebusites was part of what God told him about. So we're here where the fulfilling of that scripture occurs. And uh, it's, in the, it's in this lesson in verse number 7. So looking at verse number 7, it says, Nevertheless, uh, well, let's back up to six. It said, And the king and his men went to Jerusalem and to the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land. So they were going to Jerusalem to inhabit it because that was the next place that he was supposed to reign. Now that he was king over all of Israel, he was going to reign in Jerusalem. So they went up there, but the Jebusites were in the land. And because the Jebusites were in the land, there was a problem. I said, um, the inhabitants of the land, which spake unto David, saying, Except thou take away the blind and the lame, thou shalt not come in hither. Thinking David cannot come in hither. So what that's telling us is they were saying that they were so fortified and that their defense city was so 
uh, secure that, you know, even a blind or a lame man within the city, if they were able to get in, would be able to overthrow David. So they didn't think David could get in there. But in verse number seven, uh, it says, nevertheless, David took the stronghold. So we, we see that he's going to overtake it. He's going to win it. Um, verse no, and and uh, he's, David took it, the stronghold of Zion. The same is now called the city of David. So what they said he couldn't get and the blind and the lame alone could defeat David and his men. David has now taken it and renamed it after himself. But verse number eight says, And David said on that day, Whosoever getteth up to the gutter and smiteth the Jebusites, and then he includes, and the lame and the blind that are hated of David's soul, he shall be chief of the captains. So uh, we read earlier where the young man came with the head of uh, the new king, which was Ishbosheth. And he was thinking that because he brought the head of this king, and of course it was going to put David in the position of king, he thought that uh, David would be pleased and award him with some, I don't know, monetary award or more than likely some kind of a position in his kingdom. But David had him killed because, again, touching not my anointed. And the man was innocent. They shouldn't have done that. So now... Um, David is at the city of um, of of, uh, of the, where the Jebusites are dwelling of Jerusalem, and he's about to go in and complete this whole scenario. So they're in, and he tells the person that if you want a position in my kingdom, or if you want to be elevated, then here's what you'll have to do. The challenge is for you to get up by the gutter. And again, and David said unto the, to that day, Whosoever getteth up to the gutter and smiteth the Jebusites and the lame and the blind that are hated of David's soul, he shall be the chief captain. So if you want to be elevated, you need to kill these Jebusites. Now that water conduit is what was referred to as the gutter, right, Elder? So um, I think you were saying that it was, I know the fortified cities in, in Old Testament times were those that had their own water system and everything. And so I think it's referring to that water system where they would have the, the gutters, you know, draining out and the water that would be um, brought in. So he said, that's the way we're going to get in. We're not going to, you can either do that or you can scale the wall. And I think they were expecting them to scale the wall. All right, so they didn't scale the wall, but they went up through the water and took them by surprise. So when once they got in, so David said, the only thing now is to destroy them. So the, the charge was, you need to go ahead and kill them, and then you'll be elevated. And then it says at the latter clause of verse number 8, Wherefore they said, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house so David dwelt in the fort and called it the city of David. And David built round about from Milo and inward. And David went on and grew great. And the Lord of hosts was with him. So that's a done deal. Yep. 
that is a wrap for that lesson. So I uh, just want to encourage your heart to do it God's way. Uh, those that came and tried to do it another way, it cost them. And uh, David doing it God's way by waiting, he ended up getting exactly what was promised to him. And if you can see this, David being an, a descendant of Abraham, um, him being a descendant of Abraham, all of those years, I think we were a thousand years, 1003 BC. So at least a thousand years were between him and Abraham. And it had been prophesied that the Jebusites were going to be one of the enemies when God told Abram, I'm going to give you a seed, but you know one, and he started naming all of his enemies. And so here you're seeing the fulfilling. This is amazing to me that God would speak with such clarity and, and anyone that would argue the Bible would have to argue how they would be separated, not only by um, centuries, but by locations. Um, and how could they confer and put this together as some kind of, as Peter would refer to it, a cunningly devised fable? It had to be God. So we see the fulfilling. The Jebusites are now um, thrust out of the land. The ones that were left were thrust out of the land, and the place that they said David could never get into is now called the city of David. And are, are they calling it that until this day? You don't think so? It's just Jerusalem. All right. All right, so that's pretty much the lesson. Um, that's pretty much it, Elder. Did you want to add anything else to it or close it out in prayer? All right, all right. So thank you, everybody, for joining in with us. On next week, we're going to be in uh, Union Gospel Press. Uh, that's our new book. So the fall, the fall quarter starts then. And uh, also, we will be in Word of Flame and Word of Flame Fall Quarter. So God bless you. Pray for us. And we'll look forward to you being with us again next week. Now, Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you. We pray, Lord, that hearts have been touched and people have been able to see your greatness, your faithfulness, Lord God, and your intimate relationship with those that call upon your name and how we can trust in you. For they that trust in the Lord shall be like Mount Zion, which cannot be removed. And we ask that you continue to bless the furtherance of this ministry and let it reach around the world and touch hearts. And may people fall in love with your word and fall in love with you. Your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray.